0: Listening to the Venue podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn to uh, James chapter five. Uh, it's our last Sunday in the book of James, uh, at least for a while. And the next week we start Second start Second Timothy. But today we're in James chapter five, just looking at the very last two verses, verses. Nineteen and twenty. Before I do, I want to uh, share uh, two stories with you, and uh, both of them I'm going to change the name. So they're real stories, but I'm going to change the name and a little bit of the situation uh, just so that you're not trying to figure out who I'm talking about because that is not helpful. But uh, they're they're still represent real stories. First is uh, Matthew. Grew up in Lubbock here. Went to a private Christian school in the area. Uh, was heavily involved in student ministry, actually here at Southcrest, and uh, was a regular. Like knew the Bible really well. It, it almost like, kind of sometimes uh, was humbling to me as a pastor. Like, man, here's a high schooler that knows his Bible, like m- maybe as well as I do or better. Like, kind of intimidating almost. Uh, went to he went to a. Uh, Christian school. I'm gonna do quotes for Christian school uh, for college, and by the way, this is a quick timeout. Like, just because something says it's Christian doesn't mean it's Christian, right? Like, hopefully that's obvious, but just point that out for you real quick. We went to a Christian school, and um, they had some different. So they taught the Bible, but not really. They they taught the Bible, but also taught him to doubt the reliability of the Bible. He was real involved while in college at a, a church, which is kind of rare. Like a lot of students don't go to church when they go to college, was involved in a church, but by his junior or senior year, was pretty much denying his faith, walking away from Jesus. Now, no, not completely. He still, uh, be, even to this day, believes in God, talks about God, but here's what happened. He switched from saying, yes, God is love, uh, but there's also other attributes of God to saying now, love is God. And so anything that doesn't seem loving even to sin, he would say, oh, that must not be God. So rather than believing in the God of the Bible, he just believes that really always lead to heaven. We just need to be nice to each other. I'm kind of oversimplifying it, but essentially that's that's what's happened, which makes me ask like, what happened? To go from someone really apparently sincere about their faith to essentially walking away from what we know as Orthodox Christianity. Think about Elizabeth. She was in her mid-40s, had recently gone through a divorce, had been really involved in church, uh, faithful in serving, faithful in attending, uh, in talking about her faith, but then after, a couple years after her divorce, met a man, decided to move in with him. They began to uh, sleep together, and slowly but surely, she drifted away from her walk with Christ and even being part of church community. And as some people reached out to her, she just began to say, hey, I'd rather have this lifestyle than the lifestyle I had when I was involved in Christian community. As I told you, those are real stories, but I've, I've changed them so you don't have to wonder who they are, but I'm gonna assume that as I was telling you those stories, you could think of people in your own life who at one point seemed like they were believers but i have slowly but surely kind of veered away from their Christian faith. I wanna ask you, what should we do when someone begins to walk away from Jesus? It appears they're Christian, but now they're, for whatever reason, they're walking away from Jesus, walking away from their faith, walking away from Christianity. What, What is the call of the believer to do? Is it just to go, oh, well, just saw that one coming or stinks to be then, better luck next year. Like, no, what are we supposed to do? James, not surprising really, been such a practical book. And now he ends with the reality that some people are gonna begin to walk away, but he puts before believers a call to action. Let's begin to unpack this. This is verse 19 of chapter five. He says, my brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back. Let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So just to unpack some of these things briefly, he says, if any among you. So the idea here is people who have been actively involved in Christian communities. So to put it simply for our terms, like they're in church. They're in a small group Bible study. They're, they're involved. They're they are a professing Christian or at least one time were because they were among us is the idea here. So this is somebody like to put it in our context, James is saying, this is somebody that maybe you, you saw in church. Maybe it's somebody that you were in a small group together. You, you prayed together. Maybe occasionally you sent, a, excuse me, a text to them uh, of a scripture verse to encourage them in their faith. Or you asked them for prayer. Or maybe you went to a retreat together. You went to men's retreat or you went to a women's Bible study together. This is someone that you knew in the faith. Maybe it was somebody that you didn't go to church with, but someone who at work, you had pretty consistent conversations about their walk with Christ and what it means to know Jesus. They were among us. It's not someone who has always been an atheist and wants nothing to do do with this. It's someone who has at one point professed Christ. Any among you strays from the truth strays from the truth, that is to wander away. And not just accidentally, there begins to be this intentionality in straying away from the truth. What is the truth? It's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that follows that corresponds to the truth. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has bridged the gap between sinful humanity and a holy God, that Jesus took on flesh and blood and came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died for us on the cross, bore the penalty of our sins, three days later rose again, that by grace through faith, we can trust in Jesus in his perfect sacrifice. And that enables us to have a relationship with God. That, that is the gospel truth. And there are behaviors that correspond to that truth. So if I've really submitted to Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then my life is going to bear that out, right? So he says, there's some among you who, if they stray from the truth, really, we stray from the truth in two ways, either in belief or in behavior. So in the stories that I told, the young man was was straying in belief. So I don't really believe Jesus is God. I don't really believe the authority of the Bible. I'm not sure we can trust it. Maybe all roads lead to heaven. That is straying from God in belief. But we also we also often see people stray from the truth in behavior. So maybe they would even still say, yeah, I believe all that, but their actions show they certainly do not believe the truth because of their behavior. Maybe it's just diving headfirst into perverse sin. Maybe it's diving headfirst into selfishness of saying, I'm gonna live a life for me. I don't care what happens to other people. A life of impurity. We see people stray away. Again, you could probably think of friends, people that you you did life with that have strayed away. And again, just for clarity, straying away is this continual movement in a direction away from the Lord. So all of us at different times step into sin, right? Uh, You've heard me say before, one of our friends says, everybody walks in the mud sometimes. Everybody falls in the mud sometimes, right? Like what does the old hymn say? Our hearts are prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. But the picture here of straying is you just keep going into that sin one step at a time. So my friend, to finish that statement, she says, everybody walks through the mud sometimes. It's another thing to lay down and waller in it, right? Another thing just to, to go head first into whatever that sin is. So the picture is rather than taking a step away from God and then going, ah, oh, I wanna repent. I wanna come back to him. This person who's straying away, they once professed Christ trusted him, believed in him, lived for him. But now they're saying, I'm going to take a step away. Mm, Maybe God doesn't know what's best for me. Another step, maybe I should do things my way. Another step, maybe I really can't trust the Bible. Does that make sense? Straying, wandering away. If you've got that person in your mind, James wants you to know this. If any among you strays from the truth, and someone turns him back, so so pulls them back to the Lord, reminds them, hey, Jesus is better. This is the truth. If he turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So, really simple, big idea. What is saying? What is James saying? What should we do when we see someone? begin to walk away from Jesus, what should we do? Go after them. We go after them. We we chase them to to help them return back to Christ, to to help them not leave their faith. And why? He says, it'll save their soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So so James is jumping kind of to this big ultimate idea that eternity is at stake. If they, to walk away from Jesus is to walk away from eternity with Christ. So we don't want them to spend eternity in hell, suffering away from God. Then we go after them, that they would continue to walk with Jesus. It says, save the soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So you can't have one without the other. The only way for your soul to be saved, the only way for your soul to be saved is for your sins, all of your sins to be covered. So The issue ultimately at stake here for James is the gospel. Has this person, like, if they walk away from Jesus, they're walking away from the only hope of forgiveness of sins and therefore the only hope of their soul not dying and spending eternity in hell. You all tracking with me? So James, though he could give a hundred whys of why we go after a person when they begin to walk away from Christ, he jumps to the ultimate reason. So yes, like we could talk about the fact that we wanna go after somebody when they begin to walk away from their faith because Jesus brings more joy than anything in this world. We talk about the fact that sin is destructive and even like like obviously spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and even physically, sin is destructive. So we wanna pull people out of sin and back towards Christ. We can talk about the joy and the hope and the encouragement, the refreshment that comes from Christian community. Those are all good reasons. But James jumps to the ultimate reason their soul is at stake. So go after them, chase after them. Now, this brings up an interesting question. Can someone lose their salvation? what's going on here? Why is James saying this? So just to be clear, in case you're confused, the biblical, dare I say, and I will, the right answer is no. You can't lose your salvation. Just as a quick side note, if you've been a part of a community that that says that, like one, I'm sorry for you. What a terrible way to live. To constantly, God, am I doing enough? Have I been good enough today? Or did I lose my salvation? I, that That's... I would say an abusive way to live. And I think churches that tell you, well, you can lose your salvation. You better get your act right. That's just manipulation. And that's not how God works. The scriptures say that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, right? He's the one that keeps it. So can you lose your salvation? What's going on with James? Couple reasons, not just from me talking, but from the text or from the Bible, why we know we can't lose our salvation. It's important digression, important thing to think about. First of all, when you look at the book of James as a whole, think back to chapter two, where he says, faith without works is dead. James had the understanding that there are some people who proclaim Christ, who proclaim to have faith, but are actually dead, meaning they don't know Jesus. Because faith without works is dead. If I can say, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus, he's awesome, but my life in no way demonstrates, demonstrates that I know Jesus, it begins to reveal that actually my faith is not real. It's kind of like if I tell my wife, oh, I love her, but everything in my life shows I don't love her and I'm uh, abusing her and cheating on her and all those terrible things, you, you would rightfully begin to question, do I actually love her? James has this framework for the Christian life that there are some people who are part of, even churches, part of Christian communities, who say they have faith, but they actually don't know Christ. Hebrews chapter two. You don't have to turn there, I'll read it real quick. He says this, writing to people in the Christian community, writing to believers, he says, for this reason, talking about, he's been talking about Jesus, he's been talking about the gospel. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we'll, we will not drift away. He's talking to believers and saying, look, don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't forget the gospel. You don't want to drift away. The, the picture there is not of one losing its, their salvation. The picture is, in the Greek, of a boat pulled up to a dock, but it drifts away because it never tied on to the dock. So a boat can have close proximity to a dock, but if it's not actually tied onto the dock and harnessed to the dock, when the winds and waves and storms come, it's gonna drift away. The same is true for, for humans in their relationship with God. You can be in close proximity to God, but if you've never, quote, come into a relationship tied on to God by grace through faith in Christ then when the wind and waves and storms of life come, you will drift away. And it's not you losing your salvation, it's that you never had a relationship with God to begin with. Y'all tracking with me? Faith is you coming into a relationship with God, him tying onto you, you tying onto him. I think about Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower and the seed. And he says, some seed fell on hard ground and it began to sprout up at first, it looked like it had life, but then the sun came, scorched it, and it died because it had, Jesus says, because it had no root. So Jesus, James' older brother, has this, this framework that some people are going to, at first, look like they're actually Christians, maybe they're part of a Christian community, they say the right things, maybe, they maybe even do a few of the right things, but they actually never had a rooted relationship with God by grace through faith in Christ. So for a second, it looked like there was something there, but time showed that they actually never knew Christ. It's not them losing their salvation, it's that they never actually knew him. John chapter 10, 28, verse 28. Jesus says that once you're in his grasp, once you're in the father's grasp, no one could snatch you out of his hands. No one you can't snatch yourself out of his hands. No one can take you out of his hands. So, you cannot lose your salvation. It's not what James is talking about. Well, why, why, just, why isn't he more clear here? Like, couldn't he just say, Brandon, a five-minute digression on losing your salvation if you'd been more clear here? Why does he say it the way he says it? I think James is giving a general explanation So we will use a broader application. General explanations, we'll use broader application. What do I mean by that? We're giving, when someone that says they're a Christian begins to walk away, you give them the benefit of the doubt, but we're not supposed to sit and waste time debating, did this person know Christ? Were they a Christian? No, you just go after them. Every single situation where someone begins to, to stray away from the Lord, every situation is different. And in, and in every situation, the call is to go after them. Think about it. If you were uh, watching, had your little kids at the house, your son or daughter, or maybe your little brother or sister, and you were in charge of them, keeping them safe. And all of a sudden you thought they were safe inside, but all of a sudden you see them running toward the, the loop. That is not the time to debate, you know, th- who left the door unlocked? That's not the time to wonder, did, did they let themselves out or did someone else let them out? Or maybe they're just exploring the loop and they're going to come back. <laughs> no, you just go after them, right? You don't waste time trying to figure out theoretically what happened. No, you just go get them because of what's at stake. I think that's what J- James is getting at. It's, this is not a debate on were they really a Christian or not? No. The point is, You just, when you see someone straying away from Jesus, you know their only hope is a relationship with Jesus, so you go after them. You chase after them every single time. You don't hesitate because of what's at stake. I think about, if you're new here, you may not know this, but my wife and I both grew up in Florida, so some of my stories I reference sometimes are, have their roots in Florida. And I remember one time we went to the, actually several times, but one particular time we went to the Okefenokee Swamp in uh, North Florida there. And it really, it's kind of disgusting. I'm not sure why people actually go there. Uh, there's yellow flies everywhere and alligators everywhere. Moccasins, it's a really, very really beautiful place. <laughs> and, um, but I remember this one year, I was probably about eight or nine years old and um, there's another family that was with us like from our church in front of us in their little boat. And uh, they had a daughter, her name was Katie. She's about three, two or three years younger than me. So she's about five at the time. But as we're going along the Okefenokee, looking at all the alligators and snakes and all this amazing Florida things, um, Katie fell out of the boat. And about the time that it registered, like, oh my goodness, someone fell in the water. And then we turned and like, look at their boat. Her dad had already jumped in the boat and they were already, sorry, jumped in the water and they were already back in the boat by the time we really realized what was going on. He, he, he did it in no time flat because he knew What was at stake? He wasn't like, wow, man, she fell in the water. That stinks. We'll see what happens. No, he just went and got her because he loved her and he knew what would happen if he just left her there. That's the call of James here. You go after them. Whoever turns his sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. It's not time to figure out what's really going on. Just just go after them. Go after them. How do you do that? How do you chase after people when they're beginning to, to walk away? James doesn't tell us right here necessarily, but I think some biblical concepts I wanna give you. Give you four. How we go after people when we see them walk, looks like they're walking away from Jesus. Number one, meet them where they are. Meet them where they are. What do I mean by that? Like, you, you go to them. Don't wait for them to come to you. No, you take the initiative. Meet them where they're at. I think uh, that also means, like, have the right conversation with them. So if they're struggling with the, the authority of God's word, talk about that with them. If they're struggling with God's sovereignty and human suffering, man, that's a little deeper, thicker discussion, but go for it. Meet them where they are. Second thing, embrace the priority, patience, paradox. Embrace the priority, patience, paradox. What do I mean by that? So it's both. When you see someone walking away from Jesus, I want to treat it with some urgency. This is a priority for me to to engage with this person, to meet them where they're at, to to encourage them to, to walk with Christ. But I'm also, I have to be patient. If, you're, if you only treat it like it's a priority, you're, you're gonna, probably gonna push them in a way and annoy them, right? If every time you talk to them, it's just super urgent conversation. But also, if you're always only patient, you're probably never gonna have the right conversations with them because you're just gonna be kind of hanging out and never really discuss the important issues of, of what they're struggling with, why they're beginning to doubt God. Y'all, y'all, does it make sense? So embrace the priority, patience, paradox. You could say it this way. Every play matters but I'm playing the long game too. Every play matters. I wanna be intentional every chance I get, but I'm playing the long game. So so sometimes being intentional may just be listening to their concerns because I'm playing the long game. Embrace the priority, patience, paradox. Thinking of of having the right conversations with them and, and leaning in. Third thing, show and tell in truth and love. Show and tell in truth and in love." What do I mean by that? So show and tell. Live a life that shows them that the greatest joy is in Jesus. Live a life that shows them that God's ways work. I don't mean you have to be perfect to make an impact on their life, but no, you're gonna say, hey, I'm gonna be intentional to live out my faith in front of them so they see that Jesus' ways are better. Walking with Jesus is where the joy is, that my greatest pleasure and purpose is in Christ. So you're showing them but you're also telling them. I think one of the like goofiest phrases that gets passed around in Christianity that's been around for a long time is that sh- share the gospel and if necessary, use words. It's always necessary to, sh- to use words to share the gospel. Otherwise they think you're just a nice fill in the blank, right? Like how many nice people have you met who believe totally different than you? So if you're going To to share the gospel, it requires words. And the foundation is that you're living it out, right? If if you're not living it out, they're not gonna listen to anything you say. So that's where that phrase comes from. I get that, but you gotta use your words. Show and tell, so let your actions speak, let your words speak, in truth and in love. So if I only give them truth and don't do it in compassionate grace, they're not gonna give me the time or day, right? But if I only show them love and never show them the truth, that I'm not calling them to anything, right? That I'm just encouraging them to further stray. Show and tell in truth and love. I think when you do those, it's not a, it's not a perfect mix. Man, I think the Lord uses that. And that's, that's the model of Jesus. He showed us the way, he told us the way, he did it in grace and truth. Fourth thing, pray. Pray for them. We just saw in last week's text, just a few verses up, that the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. God cares about these people and he responds to our prayers. He weaves our prayers into his master plan. What a cool opportunity that we get to pray that God will work in someone's life. And by the way, it should be obvious from, this, from the verses, this is not just for pastors, this is not just for ministry directors, this is not just for small group leaders, this is for every believer that we are to go after those who are straying away, those who are wandering our way, wandering away. And the best resource we have is to call on the King to help us. God, would you lead me? Would you help me? Would you give the words? Would you give me the words to share with them? Pray. I want a super quick side note for parents in the room and grandparents. Is something that you shouldn't be anxious and worried about, but that should be on your heart is how do I live a life? How do I invest in my children or my grandchildren in a way that, that when they get older, they don't deconstruct their faith, that when they get older, they don't stray away from, from scripture. They don't stray away from their relationship with Christ. We had Sean McDowell here uh, last Friday night, a week ago, and uh, he addressed this issue. And he said that biblically and really, The data, the the science shows it's three things. It's not a foolproof uh, ingredient list, but it really is helpful. Number one, parents, you have to have a relationship with them. If you try to instruct and coach without a relationship, it's gonna go go poorly. (laughs) Relationship is key. Second thing, you've got to live a life worth living. Live a life that, that they would want to emulate. So are you living a life that your children will look at you and not go like, oh man, they're so cool, they're so famous. Not that, but look and go, man, I respect my mom or dad. That's, a man, there's joy in their life. They have purpose. That's a life worth living. And three, you've got to have the tough conversations. You've got to be willing to lean in and discuss difficult things. Because otherwise, if we're just quiet on all the issues that are contrary to scripture, contrary to the truth of the gospel, our, our kids grow up thinking we just, don't care or that we agree with the issues or that we agree with the world's perspective. If you don't want them to deconstruct their faith, you've got a better shot if you have a relationship, live a life that's worth living and you lean into the tough conversations. Maybe you could prevent your kid from straying even now. I I wanna end with with this question. Why is it that we pretty often don't Go after those who are straying. This this was a, a convicting text for me studying this week, just because I, I don't think I do this as much as I should. Go after those who are straying. So I, I want to end with maybe just addressing very quickly some of the excuses or objections I think that we that we bring up and use. Reasons for not going after those who are straying away from the Lord. One, I think we would say we don't even notice. And I think that's the truth. I think so often we're not even aware that people are beginning to wander away from the Lord or they're not really involved in Christian community anymore. We don't even notice. And why? Because we're so stinking busy. You know, it's hard to recognize someone as drowning in the pool if it's really noisy and crazy, right? The calmer and quieter the pool is, the easier, more obvious it is. Oh man, someone's drowning. Someone's in trouble. How, how does that relate? I wanna ask you, do you have room for relationships or is your life so crazy and busy and out of control that you can't even see people around you drowning and walking away from the Lord? Do you have room for relationships? I think another excuse we would say is, oh, it just seems hopeless. Like, man, they, they're walking away. I don't, I don't know what to do. It seems hopeless. God is able to do far more than you could ask or imagine. Think about that. The God of the universe wants us to call on him for help. He he wants to work in people's lives. He wants to use us to draw people back to him. How ridiculous, how silly to say, ah, it just seems hopeless. He wants to help. It's never hopeless when the king is on your side. It's never hopeless. I think some of us would say, man, it just seems kind of, It's kind of messy. And I would say you're absolutely right. When people are running away from the Lord and and further into sin, it can get messy. There can be hate involved. There can be frustration. There can be who knows what involved. But the reality is that Jesus saw the mess that that you and I are in and left heaven to come to this earth and die a bloody messy death on a cross for you and I. Don't let the fact that it will be messy in going after them prevent you from going after them. Christ is our example. He's our model there. Some of us would say, oh, it's just kind of uncomfortable. Like I'm be uncomfortable in talking to them. It's kind of, it's kind of confrontational. I would say you're also right, but do a quick cost benefit analysis. It, it may cost you in the conversation and going after them. It may cost you a little awkward conversation. Maybe you have to, to humble yourself a little bit. Maybe at some point they get mad at you, but the benefit that You, if they don't know Christ, they might actually come to believe in Christ or if they were walking away, they would continue to walk with Christ. Their soul was saved from death. That far outweighs the cost of you feeling a little bit awkward, right? A cost benefit analysis makes it very obvious. Yes, it's a little uncomfortable, but that's totally worth plowing through because of what is at stake to go after them. I think some of us would say, I I don't know what to say to this person when they've walked away from their faith. You know what if you don't have a conversation with someone you probably won't know what to say to them. You won't know what's going on in their life. We we say around here a lot that clarity is a leader's best friend. I would say really clarity is everyone's best friend, right? When you have clarity on an issue, you can actually help. So, so often people begin to walk away from the Lord and we're just we we come up with all kinds of reasons for why they're walking away from the Lord, right? Like, well, I, I bet they just I bet they just are having family trouble or they or maybe they had a fight in their small group. We come up with all these reasons. If we would just go talk to them, we'd have clarity on what's actually going on. And then we could actually, through the Lord's help in and through us, actually know what to say. We can't use the, I don't know what to say excuse if we've never had a conversation with them about why they're walking away. Lean in, talk with them. Lastly, I'd say I think a big reason we don't go after people when they walk away is maybe we just don't care about people as much as we say we do. You know, really, if I've been changed by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, he saved me. Now knowing he keeps me, I wanna live like him and love like him I can't ignore when people walk away from the hope of Christ and begin to walk into the hurt of the world. Like, I, I should love them too much to let that happen. And the reality is that when you, when you go after those who are walking away from Jesus, that's an incredible, beautiful, powerful picture of the heart of God for sinners, right? That's why in, in Luke 15, Jesus said, God's heart towards sinners is like this. It's like the one leaving the 99 in the open field and going after the lost one until he finds it. And then when he finds it, there's rejoicing because he cares about even the one. It's like the woman who has 10 silver coins. If she loses one coin, she does not light, or doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And then she calls together friends and neighbors, says, rejoice with me. Or from one of my favorite stories, the, the parable of, the prodigal son, the lost son, that when the son finally realizes that he's run away from his father and wants to go back, it says the son, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and they had a big old party because his son had come home. Friends, we should go after them because Christ has come after us. We should pursue those who are walking away because Christ pursued us we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Man, Christ has pursued us. We should pursue them. When they walk, we run. <laughs> when they walk, we run. We're going to close with a, a time of prayer and response. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. I'm going to trust confident because of the power of the Holy Spirit that even right now, if you're a believer, that you've got people on, on your heart, on your mind, that you know have walked away or are in the process of straying away. And in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to be bold. I'm gonna ask you to come and, and let's make this an altar and come and pray for those people. I say it pretty often around here that decisions, decisions don't happen at altars, they happen in hearts. But the reality is that sometimes putting feet like movement to what God is doing in your heart can help solidify something, make it feel a little bit more concrete. So I'm gonna ask you as we sing this song, to just to come and pray for people that God has put on your hearts. And think about how cool is this, that God hears every single one of your prayers and that right now, while we pray at 12 o'clock on January 29th, right now, God can work in people's lives. You may be praying for somebody that's sitting at Starbucks right now. Maybe they're walking around in United getting groceries right now. Maybe they're... uh, watch, getting ready to watch the football game later today, whatever it is. But right now through the power of the Holy Spirit, as you pray, God can work in their life and begin to draw them back to himself. Isn't that awesome? God can do that. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to come and pray while we sing. But also I want you to know, if you realize this morning, hey, I'm I'm the one that's been straying. There's going to be some folks back back at the Welcome Center and the Coffee Center that would love to pray with you and just encourage you in your walk with Christ. Or maybe you realize, hey, I've actually never trusted Jesus for salvation. I've, I've had religion or I've actually not even cared about God, but I see that God loves me and offers salvation to me through the cross of Jesus Christ. Maybe we'd love to talk with you about that and pray with you. So I'm gonna pray. And after I pray, I would encourage you to come and pray or to go and talk with someone back at the back as we sing. God, we love you. Thank you that you have pursued us, that you ran after us when we were just continually walking away from you? Lord, would you help us to have that same heart to go after those who stray, that we would pursue them and love them like you love us? God, would you help us to be bold in our prayers right now and to begin to even think about how we could pursue them this week? Maybe we need to text somebody as soon as this service is over. Maybe we need to call someone, set up a lunch or coffee meeting to to engage with them, to go after them. Lord, would you put those things on our heart? And God, would even now as we pray, would you stir in their lives? God, would you work in their lives and draw them to yourself? God, we love you. Help us to be bold in this time of response. So you me we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray together. If you let's were encouraged respond. by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.